0: When it comes to the church at Corinth, they certainly had their problems. And not just the church, but the city at large. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Today we are back in 1 Corinthians, and by way of Acts 18, we'll spend some time taking a look at the introduction of the church at Corinth here in Acts from there, we'll get a good foundation and an understanding of just what kind of city Corinth was and what the Apostle Paul was actually dealing with when he wrote this letter to the church there at Corinth. We invite you to join us today. Again, we are in Acts chapter 18. That's where we'll start. This is study verse by verse. Information can be found on the web, by the way, at Highlands.us. Here's Pastor Layton with today's broadcast
1: I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and open to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 18. And it'll take us a few minutes to get there. And while you're doing that, we'll introduce that for this fall is going to be a study on the book of 1 Corinthians. Because the church of Corinth lived in the midst of an exceedingly wicked and decadent and violent and hedonistic and yet prosperous community, a community not much unlike the one in which we live here. And church members struggle to overcome the influences of that community around them and rise to the standards of conduct that should reflect the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so Paul wrote this letter to give guidance to the Christians on how to live in the midst of a godless and perverse society. We were reminded when last we met that there has never been a perfect church, nor has there ever been a perfect pastor. The only church leader that's ever been perfect is Jesus Christ, who is the head of his church. There were many situations, uh, problems in that uh, church in Corinth that Paul addresses in his letter. We went through and looked, and almost every chapter has some kind of problem that he's having to address. And yet, out of all of those problems needing to be addressed, the lawsuits and the sexual immorality and the drunkenness at communion time, the first problem, the priority problem that Paul addressed was divisions in the church. Now why would that be? Why was divisions in the church or unity in the church, if you were going to look at the positive side, so important to Paul? And the reason is, is because it was important to Jesus. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty-five, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So if we love one another, then people will know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ, and they'll also be attracted to become disciples of Jesus Christ. In his prayer, just before being taken to the cross, is recorded for us in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed in verse 23, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So when a church is working and living together in unity, it is a testimony that God loves people. A church that is arguing and fighting and in division is not an attraction to anyone except people who like to argue and fight. The divisions in the church at Corinth began after the founding pastor, the Apostle Paul, left for ministry elsewhere, and Apollos was invited to be the new pastor, and neither Paul nor Apollos in any way encouraged division, and yet the congregation formed their fan clubs around their favorite church leaders or preachers or pastors And uh, their expressions of appreciation for their favorite turned into expressions of depreciation for others. And as the result, heated arguments resulted. And it is human nature to have preferences, but we should never allow our preferences to become a cause for division. Now, if we were to look at the city of Corinth today, it's very small, but In New Testament times, it was enormous, and it was thriving, and it was prosperous, and it was a strategically located city. Let me see if I can explain. I've come across some estimates of the population of Corinth at the time of Christ, and that the population ranged as high as 600,000. Now, that may not seem large, because we're familiar with cities that have millions and millions of people today. Today. But I think for a sense of understanding and proportion here, uh, if we were to go to the year 1850, there were only four cities in the entire world with a population over one million. And here, Corinth, 2,000 years ago, had a population over a half a million. So it was a megatropolis in every regard. It was huge. Now, if we were to look at the Mediterranean map, we would see the boot of uh, Italy. And just to the right of that is the uh, peninsula of Greece. And that peninsula is divided into two parts. And those two parts, the northern part and the southern part, are held together by one sliver of land about four miles wide. And that land is called an isthmus. Corinth is located on the south side of that isthmus, and all traffic in ancient time had to go through the city of Corinth, whether it was going east and west or north and south, including whatever traffic was going into and out of Athens. It had to go through Corinth. Traveling around that Cape of Greece, the Peloponnesus, was a time-consuming and it was a dangerous journey. In fact, there was a saying among sailors that a sailor never makes a journey around Malaya until he first writes his will. In other words, when sailors were to go around the peninsula of Greece, they expected there might be a chance they die, and so they're going to make preparations for that. And so, as a result, most of the captains of those ships would uh, carry their ships overland on skids or rollers across that uh, narrow isthmus directly past Corinth. Now, remember, we're not talking about super tankers. Uh, we're talking about, I mean, the bigger uh, freighter, freighter ships of that time were 50 and 60 feet long, possibly as long as 70 feet. And this was much quicker than, uh, and much safer than trying to sail 250 miles around that uh, peninsula. So Corinth uh, really benefited from all kinds of trade. It was also an entertainment center. We're familiar with the Olympic Games, and those predate the time of Christ. But there was also, at the time of Christ, another major game of the same proportion as the Olympics, and that was the Isthmian Games, and that was held in Corinth. Now, Corinth, like most Greek cities, had a high city, an Acropolis, that was called Acrocorinth, and it was used as a place of defense, where in the time of siege, people know that there was enemy armies coming. They would go up and use it as a place of fortress, but it was also a place of worship. And on, on the Acropolis was the temple to Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. And every evening, they had 1,000 priestesses, who were really prostitutes, uh, who would come down into Corinth, and they would service the sailors and businessmen and locals, uh, giving them an opportunity to worship. Now, even to the pagan world, the city was known for its moral corruption, gross immorality and debauchery. In fact, the name of the city became synonymous with moral depravity. Now, in his letter to the Corinth, Paul identifies some of the city's characteristic sins, fornication. And by the way, in the original Greek language, that is pornea, uh, from which we get pornography. And some people think that pornography is not wrong because it doesn't involve action. It's just in the mind. But if you were to read the scriptures, you'll find out that it's there. It is a sin. Uh, idolatry, adultery, effeminacy, homosexuality, stealing, covetousness, drunkenness, reviling, that is, abusive speech, they would badmouth each other, and swindling. And uh, Paul first came to this city of Corinth on his second missionary journey. Now, Peter uh, testifies to the uh, writings of Paul as being Scripture. And we find that reference in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter writes, "...bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him." He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. And so, the Apostle Peter, this is the Apostle whom Jesus chose to lead, all of his Apostles, described the letters of Paul as Scripture. Now, this is important to us because oftentimes when we're talking with people, we will hear something like, well, that's just Paul's opinion. You know, that's just the opinion of uh, Paul. Well, if Paul is a man, which he is, then his opinion is of no more value than any one of our opinions. And, and so what the person is basically saying is, I'll listen to what Paul has to say, and then I'll evaluate it, and I'll accept it if I find it acceptable to me. Well, it's not just Paul's opinion. It's Scripture. It's God's opinion. Now, when Paul does give his personal opinion, as he does, for instance, in chapter 7, he identifies the source of that opinion as his self. 1 Corinthians 7.12 says, For the rest, I say this. I, not the Lord. So what Paul is saying is, what I'm about to say is for me, not the Lord. just want to make sure you understand that. So when Paul speaks his own opinion, he's identifying, this is my opinion. In order for us to study this book effectively, we must do so from the perspective that this is God's inspired word given through his apostle, not just the opinion of Paul. Now, we're in Acts chapter 18. You say, well, we're studying 1 Corinthians. Why are we looking at Acts? chapter 18. Well, that's, that's a good question. Acts chapter 18 describes the establishment of the new church, the church plant at Corinth. And it's appropriate for us to look at it because it'll give us some insight and understanding as to what was taking place in that church, but also because we're coming up on our 50th anniversary and we're reflecting on uh, our history as a church, that our church was planted at one time. And uh, there are some things that we can glean from uh, this, this passage. So, Acts chapter 18, 1... Uh, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, when Paul planted churches, he would move from one major city to the next, and there was a strategic reason for this. And the reason for this was that cities influence. Governments are located inside of cities. Educational institutions are located, for the most part, inside of cities. Major sporting events are located inside of cities. Centers for artistic expression, such as dance, theater, music, painting, are, are most often located inside of cities. News that affects the entire community and information is brought to and delivered from cities. Political power is concentrated in cities. It, it, when, a, when a decision, a law is passed that affects the land, it's usually the concentration of voters in a city, a major city, that make the decision that affects everybody. So cities are centers of influence. And to be an influence in a in a place of influence, you've got to be in a city. And that's why Paul went to influential cities such as Athens
0: and Corinth. It is interesting to listen to many Christians today who can't wait to get to the country, to the wilderness, just to be alone with God. And yet, in order to really be alone with God you need to be where the most influence for the gospel's sake is available the city this has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely information about us can be found at our website highlands.us and also consider this an invitation to join us for worship at Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno service times and directions again can be found at our website highlands.us Tomorrow, another look at Acts 18 and First Corinthians on study, verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.